0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, October 29th, 2019, and you know what that means. It's two days to Halloween. But also, it's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 113 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lam, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity, 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 miggity Mac, also known as mac Mac, how are things, man? Things are going well, Mr. Nice
1: Guy. We, uh, um, we are, of course, in Nebraska, but that's not news because that really happened last time. But we are now getting much more settled here in Nebraska, which is which is nice. And I feel like pretty soon you and I will be able to meet in wherever the halfway is point between us so that we can hang out proper, get something to eat for lunch... I don't know, visit an arcade, something.
0: Dude, that would be fun, man. Now, how far is St. Louis from you, do you know? It's about four hours from me, and that's, like, I I assume it's kind of central between where I live and where you live, but we'll have to figure that out. But other than that, man, what's new? Anything interesting you want to share with the people? There's no cat this week. Last week, for those of you who were here, there was a cat that was cooing for Max's attention. I see that there's not today.
1: Yes, I made sure to close the... Uh, you know, I made sure to close the things, uh, close the door and make sure that the cat wasn't in here, uh, you know, well before I got started this time. But that's what happens with uh, new things. You know, you, you new space, you get adjusted, you find out that there's a cat that really likes fiddling with, uh, with cables and such. So you plan accordingly. Um, although, to answer your question about St. Louis, St. Louis is kind of the wrong direction because st louis is mostly south whereas i'm mostly west
0: see and i don't really know geography at all so i probably would have thought that china would have been a good spot for us to meet too because I'm, I'm china's that a bad great spot as long as it's
1: not us who are having well, to pay for gr- great the great as trip. far
0: as a place to be but as far as a central location that's close to both of us probably not the best option yeah Oh, well, you know. Well, Mac, this has been a good week on my end, man. I uh, Ooh, I'm excited yeah, for us tell. to talk about what we've been playing and what we've been watching because I got a lot of uh, of TV time in, man. Um, Ooh, nice. And a, a lot of movie time. And uh, the basement is fixed, so wifey and I had a little movie night down there, and it was a blast. But we'll talk about that later, Mac. Okay. I say we do what we do best and just hop right into the gaming news, man. Let's do it. Get me caught up, Mister Nice Guy. And gentlemen, boys and girls, this is episode number 113 of Two Nerds in a Pod, cross-country edition, as always. Uh, um, uh, I forget what I usually say next, but let's hop into the gaming news. Well, Mac, there's a little game you might have heard of called Apex Legends, and it's one of my favorite games right now. It's competitive, but I feel like it's uh, it's not... Uh, too childish like some of the other battle royale games that are out there i won't name names but this news story comes from gamespot.com by alessandro filari that's a killer name um during ea's recent financial earnings call publisher cfo blake jorgensen revealed that apex legends uh respawn entertainment's free-to-play battle royale game will launch on new platforms following its impressive growth since its launch Released back there's some typos here. Released back in early twenty nineteen, Apex Legends is a spin off of Respawn's Titanfall series. Instead of giant uh, Mecha Combat, Apex Legends is a squad-based battle royale game that focuses on squad-based tactics on a large-scale map. Currently, Apex Legends is available on PC, PS4, and Xbox 1. Last May, it was announced that Apex Legends would make its way to mobile, iOS, and Android. However, it has yet to release on other platforms at this time. The timing for this is especially convenient as Sony's PS5 and Microsoft Scarlet, the successors to the PS4 and Xbox 1 respectively, are expected to release in fall 2020. In addition to Apex Legends, EA will also publish a new Battlefield game during the fiscal year of 2022, which was also revealed during the earnings call. So, Mac, here's my question for you, because, you know, we had Overwatch. Overwatch has been out for quite a while. Um, Mm -hmm. It was on PS4, Xbox One, PC. It's now coming to Switch, Um, even though it probably could have come much sooner. I'm starting to think that they'll do the same thing with Apex Legends, that they may put it on the Switch as well. Why do some consoles get games late when they're not exclusives? Like this game is not exclusive to any one one place. Why is the Switch why why does mobile not have it? Does it need to be optimized? Um, is it to rebuild hype? What do you think, man? You know, I think in
1: some ways it depends on the you know on the game that we're talking about. But in one sense. Um, the Switch has a very different controller, right? In comparison to what you're looking at for the, say, Xbox and the PlayStation. And as such, I think they might... I think maybe they spend a lot more time making sure that the controls work out well or at least don't work out poorly. And in the case of mobile ports, I would hope that that's because they're redesigning stuff from the ground up in order to accommodate the completely different requirements of your mobile gaming you know, interface as opposed to the usual sort of controller interface. But that's one thing I can think of. Um, another thing could be there might be a larger difference in system architecture um, or perhaps different system requirements for one platform as compared to another but those now, the, are just the, the, the things that stand out to me see and
0: that's a valid point the one thing I will say about Switch is that it does have the pro controller which does not come with it but it is an option and the pro controller is much alike the PS4 and Xbox One controller like as far as the configuration so but I would
1: be very surprised if Nintendo was okay with them designing for the pro controller specifically as opposed to designing for what people they know what the have. Joy-Cons the Joy-Cons yeah the Joy-Cons
0: and, and, and you're you're exactly right about that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that one we'll point maxion on that one. Um, well, cool. I mean, regardless, it's pretty exciting that Apex is gonna come more places because it really is a great game. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see what they do. Um, it's interesting that the person who wrote this thinks that uh, it's referring to the PS5 and the Xbox Scarlet. Being the place that Apex will go, when we already know that the PS5 is going to be backwards compatible, so I would just assume that Apex will will work on that. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. Um, next news story. Now, Mac, this is one that really intrigued me because this is something I didn't know a ton about before today. This one comes from IGN.com, written by Kevin Lee, and it involves the Xbox. XCloud, Microsoft's X Cloud service. Are you familiar with the X Cloud service? No, I'm all? not. Well let's let's learn about it. So it says a little over a year ago, Xbox announced that it was going to introduce a gaming streaming service called Project X Cloud that could run on your smartphone, tablet, laptop, and virtually any device you own. A few weeks ago, Microsoft finally revealed XCloud to the world with a public preview, and after a long while with it, I've come away impressed, the author says. Now, when I say impressed, I'm only speaking towards its performance. As a public preview, xCloud is still fairly limited right now to only working on Android devices and offering four first-party games, Halo 5 Guardians, Gears 5, Killer Instinct, and Sea of Thieves. Now, Mac, I wish I could show you the picture of this, um, but effectively, there's a picture of an Xbox controller with a little attachment that allows your phone to be connected to it just simply so you can hold the controller and view what you're playing on your phone, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, he goes on to say, you can't use anything but a relatively new Xbox One controller with Bluetooth. I tried using the service with Sony's DualShock 4, the Asus ROG Phone 2's Kanai controllers, and a bunch of other controllers. He says, and I confirm they do all not currently work with xCloud. So Mac, basically, we've reached a point in gaming where you can have a console at home but you can play it on a different screen than the one it's connected to. And you may even be able to play it remotely Um, because I did this with my PlayStation 4 the other day. Um, They have a thing where you can do screen mirroring. Mm -hmm. And so I downloaded this app on my iPad. I took my DualShock controller from my PlayStation and I was able to play my PlayStation games on my iPad, Um, which is pretty crazy. Now, my question for you is, does Steam have anything like this? And if it did, would you use it? If they do, I should say, do you use it?
1: Um, yes, it has had s- something like that for quite some time. Um, I think they call it big picture, or okay. or what have you. But specifically, the big picture, because the big picture is on like your television, or you know, or on another display device. I so I know it'll do it that way from your PC to like your television. I assume it will probably. You know, like you could cast it to a uh, to a tablet or something else, but I don't know for sure um, because so it's not well, a here's the, because yeah, here's yep, exactly. That's where I was going with it. It's not a service I use. Gotcha.
0: Do you think that it's practical? Do you think it's useful, or is it just that you're always close to your PC, so you have no need for it?
1: pretty much the second one. I don't think it's impractical, and I don't think it's a problem. I think it's just not something that I've found use for, because yeah, I'm close to my computer.
0: See, and to me, this is an amazing thing, because I I don't know the full extent of the PS4 screen mirroring or of the Xbox X cloud, but the idea of being able to be in any type of Wi-Fi zone and play games like this online is pretty amazing. Now, it kind of makes the consoles seem obsolete, in my opinion. If you can just play them on your smartphone, it kind of implies that the smartphone has the same power as the console. Which, actually, that's not really that impressive, or that surprising, I should say. Because which costs more? Generally, an iPhone costs several hundred. You know, where right now you could get an Xbox One S for 200 300 bucks So, just an interesting concept uh, that we can now take our games pretty much anywhere with us even if it's not the Nintendo Switch. So, uh, Moving on to the next news story. This one uh, deals with Steam, since we're on that topic, and it also deals with Star Wars, Mac. So this one might intrigue you. It says, EA returns to Steam with Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. This is from Kotaku by Mike Fahi. It says, For the first time since 2013, PC gamers won't have to open up Origin to purchase a new big EA release. Now, Mac, do you have strong opinions about EA? Um... I used to. I don't have
1: such strong feelings anymore, aside from they're the devil and everything that's wrong with video games. So if that counts as a strong opinion, then I guess yes. That's
0: not really that strong of an opinion. So you're right, you don't. Now, do you have strong opinions about origin as well?
1: See previous comment
0: okay now here no i'm I'm not trying to troll but i'm I'm curious are your feelings about origin because of your feelings about ea or do you just not like the idea of origin being a place that that limits where their games can go
1: that's mostly it i mean anytime we are talking about those i i I think this especially although i don't know is origin the one that's particularly bad or isn't it epics the Epic Game Store, that's, uh, that's there's the one bigger that you, problem.
0: There's on. one that you really hate, and I can't remember which one it is. I think it might be Epic because I remember telling you, hey, man, such and such game is free on the Epic Game Store, and you were like, that's great, but I'm going to pay for it on Steam instead, or I'll wait until it's on Steam or something like that. So, okay, so maybe it wasn't uh, the origin. But regardless, I get your point. So let's move on in the new story. It says, the publisher returns to Steam on November 15th with the release of respawn Star Wars Jedi The Fallen Order. This is the first step in EA's return to Steam with more games and the EA Access subscription service to follow. EA abandoned Valve's digital game store in 2013 in favor of its own Origin digital ecosystem, a move many PC gamers considered annoying and bad, because it was. (laughs) That's what the author says. Uh, That long nightmare finally comes to an end on November 15th with the joint Steam and Origin release of the next big Star Wars action game, Star Wars Into the Fallen Order, has a Steam page, the first EA game Steam page since 2013, Sims 3 expansion into the future. Um... And it actually goes on to say that according to the official announcement, the new Star Wars game will be followed in the coming months by older EA releases including The Sims 4, Unravel 2, Apex Legends, and Battlefield 5 with cross-play between Steam and Origin for the online games. Uh, Mac, any opinions about this as a PC gamer, about the move to go from their own store to Steam and also about this game in general? Are you excited for either of these things?
1: not really. I'm You're sorry. You're a Star Mr. Wars guy, guy, Mac.
0: You're a Star Wars guy. You, and it's not it's not multiplayer. Um
1: true. The problem is, is that I feel like I've just been burned a lot by Star Wars games. Um we were going to have the amazing Star Wars thirteen thirteen that they axed that project. As you know, we both, uh, you know, we were both real sad about that. I was. But then, of course, there were the oh gosh, what was it? It was Battlefront, uh, Battlefront one and two that were, you know,
0: not that great. I didn't. Uh, think... I will. I will say I had a lot of fun with Battlefront with Star Wars Battlefront.
1: I had a lot of fun with the previous generation of Battlefront. You know, the one back in 2004, 2005. I really enjoyed that. I didn't, you know, the new Battlefront just didn't really speak to me. So I'm just going to take a wait and see.
0: Did you play the new Battlefront?
1: I did. I actually had a friend who brought a PlayStation over and he was like, want to play Battlefront? And I said, sure. So we played the Battlefronts. And that friend wasn't me, because I know we never did this. Correct. It was definitely, it was not you. A good friend of mine by the name of Davey.
0: I mean, I know you have friends other than me, but I wasn't sure if you were trying to make a joke and imply that it was me that brought the PlayStation over. No, Because I was going to say, all. I definitely never did that, and no, I don't if remember it, that. If it had been you, I would have said it okay got it well here's i to be fair i had fun with it um uh, what you may not have liked is that it was multiplayer only i believe they did not have a single player um mode in that battlefront but the multiplayer was good if you like battlefield like i do um it was basically star wars battlefield style and i thought it was really well made the hit detection was good the games the maps were good um the pacing was good so i don't know i liked it but to, to each their own you know so anyway. For those of you who are into Star Wars and also hate Origin, now you can play this game without going through them. Moving on to the next news story, Mac, and this is one that I'll probably do most of the commenting on because it's about sports ball, which is not your thing. This is about EA uh, and NBA Live 20. This is on IGN.com by Matt Kim. It says, EA has announced that NBA Live 20 will not ship this year after previously announcing the title would be delayed to late 2019. Now EA is looking to retool the series for next-gen consoles before releasing NBA Live 20. Uh, I'm not even going to read this whole thing, but basically four of the past uh, 20 years, I believe, the game has been canceled, and it's supposed to be an annual release. So my my thing is, as someone who has previously really, really been into NBA 2K, um, I would like for NBA 2K to have some competition. And they don't because the only people who make another basketball game are the people who make NBA Live. And four years in recent memory, they have canceled that game. Um, Don't announce a game if you're you're just going to cancel. Like, there's there's no excuse. And to say that you're waiting until next gen is just nonsense because it it just is. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't even know how to describe it, Mac.
1: I know how to describe it. Nonsense.
0: If if it's a game, thank you. If it's a game that comes out once every three years, I could see you saying, you know what, we're going to push this back to the next generation of consoles because we want this one to come out there. Um, But by making one this year, you would have already had the PS4 and Xbox One install base that you could have had play it. And you would have been able to release another one next year. So I guess I just don't understand that logic, but it is what it is. Now, Mac, an interesting announcement that happened today states that NCAA athletes will now be able to be paid. Um, So previously, college athletes were not allowed to accept any type of payment for, for playing, even if it was from an outside company. And now the NCAA has ruled that they will allow them to accept people to accept payment if their likeness is used, which is big news in the gaming world because previously there was a game called NCAA football. There was also an NCAA basketball game, um, which were canceled because there was that whole debate about players being paid. Now they can make that game again. So there will be college sports video games again, which is a pretty big deal. Um, so for those of you who missed the NCAA football just know it could potentially be back um supposedly january 2021 i believe is when they're going to have rules about athletes being paid so anyway um let's uh let's wrap it up there mac that's been the news for the week over to you buddy
1: all right well i think i speak for everyone when i say go sports ball um so now that we've taken a look at stuff going on around us right now let's take a look into the past with a little something we call gaming history we're going to look at games things events that happened this week in years previous and I want to start out with something that happened in 1981 um now of course this is kind of early video games this is before the you know this is kind of before the first video game crash that we all know about from Atari and uh you know and uh, E.T. the extraterrestrial but this concerns the Atari World Championship held in Chicago in 1981 with a fifty thousand dollar prize, and if you have the time and the inclination, uh, you know, do a Google search, um, read some of the articles about how much of a well, how much of a cluster that whole thing was. Everything went wrong. Everything fell apart in that uh, in that uh, you know in that world championship, including but not limited to. Uh, people were under the impression that Atari was, like, an official sponsor of it, but Atari didn't really sponsor it. Um, They wanted to originally, but then they were worried that the person who was, like, put in charge of it was going to, like, make the tournament all about foosball instead of about, you know, video games, uh, which was, you know, kind of somewhat true. Uh, Long story, and, you know, it sounds ridiculous, I know, but... Um, but among other things, the people who won prizes for that uh, uh for that uh whole video game championship or world championship, um, all their prize checks bounced. Among other things, and it, it like gets worse. But uh, but just to to whet your appetite, in Chicago in 1981, the fateful. Atari World Championship with a $50,000 prize that never really materialized up until I, I believe Atari wound up like covering the bill for it just because they're like, uh, too much of the marketing material used our names. Even though we weren't directly involved, we will catch too much flack on it. So, like, they paid the winners, the, you know, the winnings. It is really interesting. Uh, again, totally worth a read. But uh, but that happened just yesterday, or just the day before yesterday in 1981. Um, in 1988, however, we had the Mega Drive modem. Now, I, I think I've mentioned this before, Um, It was when the Mega Drive modem was uh, introduced uh, because um, if I, you know, because nobody remembers the Mega Drive modem, but it was kind of the early attempts at sort of, you know, trying to make, at least for Sega, at least trying to make online video gaming a thing with stuff where you could essentially get DLC. You could download new levels, download potentially new music um or maybe even download whole games and it worked by you know plugging in and then you plugged it into the wall a little bit like dial-up internet but uh now just bit i, I hate to
0: call you out max but didn't Go for you it. once say that there was a snes um thing that was like this and there was a bunch of extra levels or something we talked about it in our previous episode am i wrong about that
1: oh no you're not wrong at all the the Satellaview, the That's BS Satellaview, BS for broadcast service, released in 95. However, whereas the Satellaview was a whole new kind of console, to uh, you know, console thing to add on, this was, you know, it, it kind of, sh- one of those things where it straddles sort of the, uh, you know, it straddles uh, the divide because it was more like the 32X in that it wasn't really a different you know, a different console as it was just a sort of, just a sort of add-on, you know, even clipped into the cartridge and all that. So you are absolutely right. And I kind of, I kind of, you know, I I kind of wobbled back on forth as what, or I mean, uh, sorry, my mistake. It, It didn't Click into the cartridge. It actually, you just kind of clipped it into the back, kind of like how in the old PlayStation you would uh, just clip the Game Shark into the back there, in the original PlayStation rather. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so it was not. So I mean, yeah, it's it's a wobbler. Is it a separate console? No, not really. Was the Satellaview a separate console? It kind of was, but. Then again, I mean, I'm Some of just, those
0: early attempts at online were so bad. <laughs> they were you know, terrible.
1: I feel like in a lot of ways, especially the Mega Drive modem, I feel like they had big ideas, but the rest of the technology just wasn't there, you know?
0: Well, like, I remember trying... I don't want to get too much on a tangent, but I remember having the PS2 and trying to get it set up to play NBA Live online, and you could buy this little modem, And hook it up to your Wi-Fi and it was supposed to let you play and I remember doing it and it was just like constantly lagging out like the frustration of trying to get through a full game was more than it was even worth Um, but I had some good times with it so it's it's so cool to see where we're at now I guess is what I'm trying to say anyway moving on
1: now we've absolutely come a long way that's for sure. Um, well, there are a few other things that I could mention. We could talk Majora's Mask. We could talk Borderlands 1. We could talk Fallout 3. But I think uh, probably the most important one, um, and you already mentioned it. I didn't think you know, but the in the year 2000, the release of the PlayStation 2, the console.
0: One of the, the best-selling consoles of all time. In
1: Indeed, with uh one of the larger libraries of games. Mac, do you have a PS2? I do have a PS2.
0: What are what are some of your favorite games for the PS2, man? Let's go down that that rabbit hole. If you want me to go first, I'll share some of mine.
1: Uh, yeah. Why don't you go first? Because I did not get a PS2 until significantly later.
0: So I remember at the time, like one of the first games that I remember ever staying up late, late, late to play. Uh, was the Ratchet and Clank series? Like I remember, just thinking the guns in this game are so amazing. The gameplay is so is so solid. I think it was Ratchet Up Your Arsenal was the one that I played first, and then of course Ratchet Deadlocked, and uh, and there was another one. But uh, those were some of my favorite games. And then as far as non-exclusives, I have really good memories of sitting in my room, turning off the lights and playing Splinter Cell, and trying to sneak around in the dark and just having a blast.
1: I'm not surprised. You and uh, and Fisher are Sam Fisher, my home,
0: my home boy.
1: <laughs> you know, honestly, because I got onto the PlayStation Two so late, and by so late I mean like maybe a couple years ago, it's one of the consoles that I haven't really cracked into too much. At this moment in time, I can't think of a PlayStation Two game. Well, I, know, I am, I'm completely. I know.
0: You and Mrs. The Mac once told me she really liked, uh, what's it called? She Uh, loves Crashed Bandicoot. But that was PS1, right?
1: Exactly. Those were PS1.
0: Cool. Well, PS2, great console.
1: I'm sorry I'm hereby turning over my nerd card, but uh, but still, there's no disputing. PS2, great console, worth a mention. Uh, But that's what I had for gaming history for today
0: nice well ladies and gentlemen boys and girls now that we've talked about the past let's come back to present day for a minute and talk about our topic of the week a segment of the show where we talk about something that's relevant in gaming and give our opinion on it so mac this whole thing with blizzard it's not going away man um there's there's consequences for your actions and we're going to talk about that today this story comes from kotaku it's written by luke plunkett let's jump right in now mac you remember the whole blizzard thing we discussed last
1: week? yes indeed you brought me back up to speed after being isolated away from all external communication for two and a half months so please i am read up
0: well it continues so um this is, uh, well, like I said, from Kotaku. It says, when Blizzard decided to take action against a pro Hearthstone player for speaking out over the ongoing protests in Hong Kong, they ate a lot of stuff from fans. <laughs> they also, it turns out, lost a commercial sponsor in the form of Mitsubishi Motors. The Taiwanese branch of the Japanese auto giant had been a sponsor of all of Blizzard's esports events. But just two days after the decision to sanction Blitzchung for his actions, they withdrew their support. A Mitsubishi Motors Taiwan spokesperson confirmed the move to the Daily Beast, which had first been noticed by Reddit users earlier in the month when the company's logo and models of its vehicles stopped appearing alongside casters. Um, let's see. The article kind of ends abruptly. It says, A reminder that BlizzCon, the company's annual fan gathering, starts this Friday. Um, so, Mac, I mean, do you have an opinion on this? Like... It's, it's almost... Well, I won't give mine. What do, what do you think about this? They're, they tried to to censor this guy to avoid losing China's support. In turn, they've lost support of a Japanese company. Any thoughts, man? Um, I guess
1: you can file this under you can't please everybody. Um, but also at the same time, I mean, there will always be unintended consequences. Uh no matter which way you go, I mean, I understand Blizzard's concern about losing support in China, especially, you know, uh, by putting, by leaving the idea or putting the idea out there that they were officially behind what this person or anybody else who's said those things. I, I, I can understand where their concerns are. Um, And, you know, I mean, whether or not they did the right thing, I think most everybody agrees they didn't do the right thing. But what the right thing would have been, I think is something that, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, I mean, how I feel about this is I think there's probably a better way for them to have done those things, for them to have, you know, uh, censored him, if you will. But uh, if you actually asked me what that way was i like most people on the internet who love to couch commentate if you will uh will probably come up with well maybe i don't really know
0: you know what i mean yeah and you know it's one of those things where it's important to have rules right and rules should govern us but there has to be a certain level of common sense that comes in um I'll give a quick example. So I remember you know, when I was in college, I had this job working security at sports events. And one of the rules was that you're not supposed to leave your post. You're supposed to stay at your post. And so I remember as a security guard, there was this kid who was crying one day. And he had no idea where his parents were. And so we, I walked him around until we found his mom. And I left my post, right? Mm-hmm. And so later on, my boss was not happy Um, this person said, you're not supposed to to do that. You need to stay at your post, you know, otherwise all kinds of things can happen. And I said, yeah, well, I radioed and I let people know on the team that I was leaving my post so that I could take this kid to go find his mom. Now, if I had done, quote unquote, what the rules said, that kid would have just been there crying and terrified and, and it would have probably taken his mom a lot longer to find him. I didn't lose my job. I didn't get reprimanded. But ultimately, I feel like I did the right thing in that situation, and and I wish that Blizzard had looked at the rules that they have in place and said, okay, yeah, we have these rules, but let's handle this a little bit differently to show what type of company we are, and to show that we're not just concerned about money. And now, look, karma's hitting them, and they're losing sponsorship anyway. Um, Mac, we talked about it last week. If you were to look into every company that you buy anything from you would find someone who has done something you don't like you'd find a high-ranking person or a mid-level person that has done something you don't like and so blizzard is they're kind of trying to play both sides here you know they're saying well we don't want to make china angry but in turn you know they're making other people angry and it was bound to happen and so i can't say i feel sorry for them uh but i think we can all learn from this
1: uh, Mr. Nice Guy, I know this is somewhat tangentially related but uh, you've hit on something that is actually kind of an important plot point in a television show that I've been watching. Really? What I'll,
0: show? Uh, the oh, good you want to say later? Oh, yes. Fantastic show from what I've heard. i got to give it a shot.
1: Indeed. But uh, but we'll come back to that a little bit later. Um, well, okay. Uh, but just the concept of things are kind of complicated. And it's hard if you were to have to drill down to only supporting companies that are doing 100% ethically, or abiding by what your particular code of ethics might be. Um, the world is so interconnected and complicated; it would be really hard for you to not, uh, you know, for you to not be getting products from some company that isn't doing something you disapproved of you know what i mean
0: yeah exactly and it's it's impossible it's literally impossible but i want to be clear i believe in standing up and taking a stand if if someone says something or does something that you don't approve of vote with your wallet and don't participate in buying that person's product right but at the same time there are times when you need to separate the art from the artist right
1: Yeah, they definitely are. And I mean, I feel kind of this way for like Disney Plus, right? I'm not a big fan of the huge conglomerate, uh, the huge entity that owns everything in the world that Disney now is. And so like when they're like Disney Plus, I'm like, nope, I'm out. Thank you very much. Uh,
0: For the record, I'm in. That's going to be an amazing thing. All the Marvel movies, everything, it's going to be sweet. But at what cost? You, well, uh, we'll, at the we'll cost get into this. Seven ninety nine a month, or seventy dollars a year if you pay for a year in advance. That's the cost, Mac.
1: Mm, I suppose that is a cost. Hey, uh, let me let
0: me use if that's if it's okay. Let me use one more quick example. So, like, sure. I'm a sports guy, right? And mm-hmm. there have been some athletes that have done terrible things, right? Oh yes, absolutely. Let's 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 use domestic abuse as an example. That's something we can all agree is absolutely terrible and unacceptable under all circumstances Mm -hmm. just because one athlete has participated in um, domestic abuse doesn't mean that I would completely stop rooting for the team Mm -hmm. and the reason why is because he's just one he or she would be just one member of the team and and I could look at the other people on the team and say hey all these other people are upstanding citizens look at all the great things they're doing right so I, I guess we can't allow the actions of one to make us completely change our stance on a company or on an organization all the time there are times when that's appropriate to vote with your wallet and not participate but I also think that we can't judge a whole group based on the actions of the individual and maybe we're getting off topic but I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, Mac any other comments on this whole Blizzard thing or on uh, on any of this?
1: No I think I've exhausted the end of my wittiness
0: Awesome. Well, that has been our topic of the week. Back, back over to you.
1: All right. Well, um, before we get going on the next segment here, just a shout out to Chuck, who's keeping us company here and talking sports ball in the chat with Mr. Nice Guy or for Mr. Nice Guy's benefit. Um, all right. So now that we've taken a look at history and at some hot topics, uh, let's take a look at a little something that's trying to get off the ground and see what we think in kick or kickstart. We'll go ahead and put up a crowdfunding project. In this case, it's called cult of the abyss. It's go. It's up on Kickstarter right now. Let's talk the virtues, the vices. And at the end, we will all weigh in both us as well as you guys there in the chat. As to whether or not this should be kicked out of here, or whether it should be kickstarted and given that green light. So, Cult of the Abyss. I've put a link in the chat, so those of you who are here with us live can check it out. By Christoph Kaplan. Now, uh, Christoph comes to us from Germany, and he is—he's uh, working on this on this game. He calls it Alice in Wonderland, Wonderland meets Night of the Living Dead. Uh, and that certainly that certainly tracks for the tone. Uh, for those of you who are unable to see it right now, it has a playstyle somewhat reminiscent of Don't Starve. And as with everything, there'll be you know there'll be these sorts of uh, you know uh, comparisons that don't quite do it justice. So we apologize, but uh, it has that sort of. Isometric viewpoint, um, reminiscent of some of the tactics games, a lot of the tactics games, um, and you move around a world divided into squares, so it's kind of a mashup of the two. Uh, At night, things get kind of scary, but it does have, like I said, a lot in common with games like Don't Starve, where there's crafting, there's harvesting, base building and survival when it comes to it uh tower defense is something that as i understand it is kind of a part of don't starve or could be theoretically uh but i've never actually seen that in practice i didn't play too much of uh uh, too much of of don't starve if i'm honest but that being said um this guy it's his first kickstarter that he's trying to uh, put together. He's looking at about $23,000 in order to fund the development of this game. It's still early on in the Kickstarter process, so we got to this quickly before it blew up, if you will. It has 32 days left to go. And if you're interested, it has kind of split out the pledge levels, if you will, into some kind of interesting steps. Now, normally what you would see is you would see, oh, it's $10 for the game on release, for a Steam key when it's fully released. Uh, $15 if you want alpha beta access. $20 if you want alpha access. You know, uh, those sorts of things. Um, however, this actually kind of is, as long as I understand the Kickstarter campaign, keeping in mind some things could be lost in translation, Um It seems as though if you want to get a stream beta key, it's only about $12. And and that beta key is valid um, shortly after the campaign closes. You know, roughly December is when he thinks he'll have a beta ready to go. Um, And then it'll stay valid until it hits Steam Early Access, at which point in time... That won't work anymore, and you'll have to buy a copy. Um, If you want it to, you know, to get in at early access, it'd be about $17, and you would get the Steam key on release. Uh, So, as far as I understand, um, or, or sorry, that will stop working at the end of the early release, but that $23 is what gets you in there. Uh, for both, you know, the actual release and the beta key and all that jazz. So it seems like uh, ra- the buy-in is kind of $23 if you like the idea of the game, you want to help support it, and you want a copy when you're done. But if you just want a smaller level, you can get in earlier. And And I might have read that wrong. It was kind of parsed a little kind of uh parsed a little crazy but you know that's where it is
0: so yeah um so is this you said you compared it to don't starve but is it also like a dungeon crawler diablo type of thing that's what i get the vibe i get just by looking at it and and if so i feel like we have too much of that that's that's my thing yeah
1: i mm -hmm, well that's a little bit of yeah that's that's a good way of describing it, I suppose. And you think uh, you think we've got too much of that thing going on?
0: Yeah, I mean, so one news story that we didn't really share this week because we kind of got into it last week is that it's it's pretty much all but confirmed that Diablo 4 is going to be announced at BlizzCon uh, this week or next week. And so, to me, that's almost like the definitive dungeon crawler. Not that you can't have a little indie that does the same thing, but I don't think that this is it. <laughs>
1: I don't. I Bless don't think you. that
0: this is scratching the itch that anyone wants right now. At least not for me. I don't. I don't want to crap on the guy. It's his first Kickstarter. As always, I hope he does well. But I don't. I don't. I'm not impressed with this.
1: Mm, gotcha. Well, uh, I don't know if this will impress you then or not. But a good deal of the, uh, you know, it's a going to be a sandbox procedurally generated game each time, so a little bit different every time, uh, and hand shaded. Uh, the art assets are all hand done in this or at least uh, most or at least hand shaded. I believe they're supposed to be completely hand done. Um, a- anyway, that all being said, um, if it doesn't win you over, you should know that there does happen to be a playable demo that's available for try you know for trying it out. You can try out the alpha version and see if it is what you're looking for. Maybe I'm just not doing a good job of describing it, but there is an option for you to try it at no risk other than a little bit of your time to give it a go. So that being said, that's what I have for kick or kickstart today. Now just comes the time for us to say whether or not we think this should be kicked or kickstarted. And Mr. Nice Guy, I think I can guess what your vote is.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I wish they would add to Kickstarter is the ability to not see how much money has been raised, because I feel like that automatically influences my opinion a little bit. Um, But I, I gotta say, kick it to the curb. That's my vote on this one.
1: I am very much on the fence. As you know, I really like when a game gives you a playable demo to show you that they can bring all the parts of a game together in one cohesive whole, but it doesn't especially appeal to me. So I don't think I will be kickstarting this. I would say, I'd say basically kick it for my side. Um, even though I do wish them the best and I hope that it turns out well for them. Kind of in the same boat as you, Mr. Nice Guy, this isn't exactly a type of game that I am looking to play right now. So hope he does well, but it's not for me.
0: Yeah, so I guess we're kind of unanimous today. unanimous today.
1: Indeed we are, but that's what I had for Kick or Kick start, Mr. Nice Guy, do you have some trivia for me, sir?
0: I do, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's time for one of our favorite segments of the show called Nerdflex. Flex. Uh, so this week's uh, stuff comes from a quiz site that I found that has some gaming questions for us, and it's interesting because some of these questions are kind of uh, opinionated. So we're going to skip those ones because that's not there's no definitive answer. But uh, we will uh, we'll go through some of these. And see how many of them Mac and I know. Um, Should we do three, four? Yeah, let's do four this week. We'll keep it. Okay. We'll keep it pretty straightforward. Some of these are really easy. Uh, how many buttons were on the original NES controller, including um, the D-pad? That's well, the first question here.
1: If the D-pad is one button. Or if it's four, that's that's two different things. But uh, I'll assume that they're counting the D pad as one button. Then that's start, select A and B. So that's five. It's either five or eight buttons, depending upon the way that they define the uh, the D pad.
0: Yeah, and I consider the D pad to be four buttons.
1: As do I.
0: Okay, so we're gonna go with C eight.
1: Yep, C eight.
0: And that is correct.
1: Okay, cool,
0: cool. Okay, now here's another one, and this is one I think it's an interesting question, but it's really not definitive. It's really subjective. Um, what is known as the hardest game of all time? Now, it has some multiple choices. Mac, do you want to give a guess as to what you think it might be before I give you the choices?
1: Um, let's see. I want to say that Ninja Ga- Ninja Gaiden for the original Xbox is one that I've heard a lot of people consider to be really dude,
0: difficult. Dude, dude, someone give this boy a Hershey bar, because that's it's, one of the choices.
1: It's one of the choices. Um, yeah, so I, know, I know. I know another. There are several others, but if you said, "What's the hardest game of all time?" I feel like I have heard more about that game, people breaking controllers over than almost anything else.
0: Well, I heard there was, like, a really hard section in Battletoads as well.
1: Oh, yeah, Battletoads. That's definitely, that's definitely. But is that the hardest game
0: of all time? I don't think so. So here's the choices. Ghosts and Goblins, Assassin's Creed, that's definitely not it, Ninja Gaiden, Contra, or Neverwinter Nights. Uh...
1: Uh, of the ones presented I definitely think Ninja Gaiden's the one that's most Yeah I'm gonna go with accurate. Ninja
0: Gaiden C and that is correct Maction. Very good. Did you do it without even hearing the answers? Um, okay what else we got here? Um, that one's too easy This one's subjective as well Most famous video game character of all time. We'll skip that one. Mario Yeah it's pretty easy Um Okay, this one is one that will trip me up, but you probably know cuz you know about gaming history. We'll make this our last one for the week. What was the first home console?
1: Uh the first home console is the Magnavox Odyssey.
0: Jeez, this dude right here, I don't I don't know these things. And you just know them. One of the options, so here's the options. NES, I knew that wasn't it. Sega Genesis, Atari 2600, Atari 1320, or Odyssey. What year, Mac? I don't know. I'm
1: going gonna, I'm gonna to give oh. you a bonus point if you know the year. Gosh, let's see. Magnavox Odyssey. Uh, let's go
0: 80. Let's say 80, 1980. I'm going to Google that after the fact because I got to look. But Odyssey is the correct answer. Okay. Um, those were not that hard. Mac, Mac is just too good. Send us some questions that are tougher, people, for next week. This guy knows it all. And and just to be clear, if
1: they were asking about stuff p- post-2004, I would start having a rough time. But that's why we've got you, Mr. Nice Guy. You fill in the blanks. For I the mean,
0: new stuff, that's right. I'm strong
1: on the history. You're strong on the new stuff. Together, we are almost a gaming encyclopedia.
0: With our powers combined, Gaming Megazord. All right, Mac, that's been that segment. I'm going to step away for two seconds. Do you want to start our next segment off?
1: Uh, sure, I'll get All going right. on legalese.
0: legalese.
1: All right, so uh, legalese, right? Uh, one of the things that I missed while I was living on a mountain with no cell phone service, which is why we didn't have this show for a couple of months, um, was I missed a ruling against Valve by a French court. Now, the way this started out was that back in December of 2015, um, a case was brought against Valve centered on the inability of customers to sell the video games that they had purchased via Steam. This is particularly noteworthy because, as you remember from our discussion about patent exhaustion, uh, I want to say it was back in, uh, like episode 80 or so but it was kind of uh, the beginning of 2019 end of 2018 in the case of uh, Lexmark V Impression products right um some companies were trying to prohibit the real resale of a, of a product basically they wanted to get rid of the used market or secondhand market and it was specifically uh, geared toward uh, ink to- toner ink cartridges Um, Of course, naturally, that that, that stuff is crazy. Patent exhaustion is one of those things that says once you've sold it, you can no longer dictate what the person does with it. There's a little asterisk there because uh, if you're, like, stealing the, the code, then that's not considered to be a whatever you want to do with it. But this specifically relates to things like they can resell it. And so this French court... Uh, talked about that in this, you know, in this bit on uh, this ruling against Valve, but this also has sort of uh, um, other things that it touches on that we kind of did. You might recall, Mr. Nice Guy, back in episodes uh, 79 to 83, fall of 2018, I kind of spent every legalese outlining um, outlining like what I thought the important things were to understand about video games and consumer rights related to I video games. I do remember games.
0: this. I do remember that.
1: It was, it was a slog. We got through it together. At your patience, Mr. Nice Guy, as well as all of you, the patience of the viewers, was much appreciated in figuring out, you know, in, in going through that. But uh, but the interesting thing is that this French court that's ruled against Valve and has said, hey, um, you have to allow people to resell these games, um, got there in a way that was very uh, no- notable, right? Um, I spent a great deal of time talking about how uh, when you treat games as a service rather than as a good, we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot for many reasons art forms will just disappear and go away. History will be incredibly hard to preserve. Um, It will be difficult for you to have games. I mean, I feel even more passionately now about games as a product rather than a service because the services usually require online in a, online constant authentication. I spent two months completely cut off from the internet and any game that would have required online authentication, I would have just been sorry out of luck, completely unable to play. And I know that's a very,
0: you know, first, first worldy,
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say a very unique and not relatable uh, problem, but... My bad. You know, first world problem, sure. Uh, Point being is, and I will just quote from a... Granted, it's a Google Translate of a quotation from the ruling, um, but uh, they say, quote, The subscription... uh, The subscription to the subscription of a game made by a user, which is mentioned in the conclusions of the company Valve, isn't in fact a subscription, but rather a purchase, because the game is being made available to said user for an unlimited period. It therefore could not be a subscription, in the usual sense of the term, but the sale of a good, made to... Uh, a a good, the video game, made for a price determined in advance and paid in one go by the user. And so what's really interesting about this, and who knows if anybody's going to follow up on this, but if that, uh, and Valve is obviously appealing this, but uh, because they don't want to deal with all the extra work that would be allowing people to sell their Steam games to other people, allowing for the resale, uh, but interestingly enough the the this French High Court um has said that games, even these types of digital games, no matter what the method of getting them to you is, they are still a good and not a service and not a subscription, which if anything up else follows up on that, that could potentially spell some huge changes. In the ways that we are more or less allowed to treat our video game purchases, which would be fantastic, uh, in my opinion. For reasons you will know if you haven't already, if you go back and listen to episodes 79 through 83. Uh, but that's what I had for a nice. little bit of legal Max,
0: Thank you for educating us on the legal aspect of gaming. Uh, Maction
1: is not a lawyer.
0: He just plays Plays, ones on a podcast. Plays one on a pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks for tuning in to episode 113 of Two Nerds in a Pod. Now, before we go, we like to do one last segment called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about just that, the nerdy video games, movies, YouTube videos, and all other nerdy stuff we've been into. Uh, Mac, I'll lead off if you're cool with that.
1: Absolutely, Mr. Nice Guy.
0: So I just watched, and I hadn't seen it in theaters, but I just watched the X-Men Dark Phoenix movie. And before I watched it, a co-worker told me that he thought it was horrible. I watched it. I thought it was great. I'll be honest with you. The one thing... Have you seen it yet? Uh, Dark Phoenix? No, I have not. Okay. Well, I won't say anything then. Um, I can... I'll s- uh, you can spoil
1: it, though. I don't really have any interest in watching it.
0: Okay. The one thing I will say that I didn't like is the timeline. Uh, there were too many inconsistencies between the X-Men movies. And so after watching it, I went and I read, excuse me, I went and I read, um, the rationale for some of the silly decisions they made, kind of made sense. So I get the criticism. I thought it was a great movie though. Uh, NBA season has started. Uh, so I've been watching a lot of sports ball as Mac would call it with the boys and, uh, what else? Trying to remember. Uh, Blacklist. And I watched a couple more episodes of the, that superhero show. Uh, raising Dion on Netflix. Not really for me. I gave it max three episode rule mm, and mm-hmm. uh, and couldn't really couldn't really stick it out. Uh, also, getting caught up with The Walking Dead. The current season is okay. And uh, as far as games, uh, Outer Worlds, pretty solid RPG. If you like Fallout, if you like Bethesda type of games, it's made by Obsidian, which are the people who made Fallout 3. And it's a really, really solid RPG. Um... It's amazing to me that they made it free with Xbox Game Pass, because it's too good to be a free game. Microsoft is really killing it with their Games Pass, and I mean that as a positive. Um, Outer Worlds, a lot of fun if you like RPGs. Give it a shot. That's it for me, Mac.
1: Uh, well, for me, I've mostly lately been playing. Um, I've been playing uh, Spyro the uh, Remaster trilogy mostly because I have convenient access to a PlayStation 4 at the moment. Um, do you now? I do indeed. Oh, uh, does your
0: brother or whoever you're staying with?
1: Uh, brother-in-law. My brother-in-law has one. Oh, okay. So, cool, man. Uh, so, yeah. And as uh, that's kind of the only thing I've been playing lately. Uh, but what I've been watching, I have been watching Hilda on Netflix and... Um, It is fantastic, although there are some moments where it might be a little bit too creepy, too scary for children, say, under five, Uh, but it's delightful. I love it. Um, So yeah, Hilda on Netflix, and I've also been watching The Good Place, Um, and yeah, sort of that thing we were talking about earlier about stuff being complicated and difficult to, uh, you know, make that 100% ethical thing for all the people sure, who are going to be sure. involved is uh, something that pops up in as a conversa as a uh, concept that Chidi talks about in The Good Place, which I really enjoyed. So yeah, that's what I've been watching and what I've been playing.
0: Nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, thanks for tuning in to episode number 113 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. Uh, We'll be back next week, 9 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Mountain. Same bat place, same bat time, same bat rhymes. Keep it nerdy, y'all. Deuces. See ya.